Hello and welcome to the For the Win Podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line from New York City by my producer, Hemel Javeri. Hemel, how are you? I'm great. I'm in New York. How are, could I not be awesome? Are you sitting in my desk right now? <laughs> I'm not sitting at your desk, even though, from what I understand, you have a pretty sweet uh, window view I of have, downtown New York. I go to the office like once every two weeks, tops, and I think I have the best desk in the office. I don't know how <laughs> it happened, and I'm not willing to give it up, so I just leave like just enough of my stuff hanging around the desk so no one comes and thinks they can have that desk. Yeah, and really. so while I'm there, I maintain this dope, like, what is it, the 20th floor window view of Midtown Manhattan. It's <laughs> sweet. It is really sweet. But no, I'm actually, um, I'm squatting in a un- unclaimed office right now so that we don't get a lot of, you know, background noise. I know that game. I, I have probably podcast from that same unclaimed office. Uh, <laughs> it's It's the end of the week, and that means we like to take some questions from the world of the internet, mostly Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes also our coworkers, but today exclusively Twitter. And I want to say before we, we go into this, well, two things I want to say before we go into this. First of all, uh, I have finally reached a breaking point, which is I could talk about food pretty much all day, every day. <laughs> and I think I've reached a breaking point with food questions. So we're gonna I'm going to try to limit it to one food question per Q&A topic at this point, largely on your behalf, because I know you're sick of it, but also, a hot dog is a sandwich, it's been addressed a million times, I'm not going to answer that question anymore, a hot dog is a sandwich, it's a lot of the same questions for food over and over again, so Mm -hmm. you get a lot of, what would your final meal be, what is the best thing you've ever had, what is the best sandwich, what is, and... If we limit it to one a week, I don't want to. I don't want to squeeze out food altogether because it's an important part of life that gets us to. I, I think uh, that makes life worth living for me and for both of us at at the very least. At the very least, uh, makes living life possible. So we need to talk about it sometimes. But I think that we can cut down. Uh, we can try to cut down on the food uh, questions, if only to encourage people to ask smart and interesting questions about other subjects, which we have today. We do. We have a lot of smart and interesting questions. Um, I will just say for the record, it. I am, like, I also have reached a saturation point in, like, talking about food. But, but part you, of the problem from... Go, go on. ahead. No, you go on. I was going to say that part of the problem for me is kind of, is what you just said, is that they're kind of the same types of questions, mostly about sandwiches or Taco Bell, which, like, I just don't have anything else to say about those two things. You do have a lot of things to say about Taco Bell, though. I will credit you with that. For someone who, uh, by her own account, does not love food, you do seem to have an enormously specific Taco Bell order. I have a very specific Taco Bell order, but... But that's it. That's pretty much all I can say about Taco Bell is that my order is always a bean burrito with extra cheese, extra onions, and then a soft taco with beans, no beef. That's it. I was What I was going to say was that while you may have reached the saturation point, I assume you haven't reached the saturation point of hearing me talk about food. No, I, I'm okay with you talking about food as much as you want. <laughs> right, perfect. Because uh, you never know. You never know what it's going to come up, but and it will come up organically. It's not like I don't want to talk about food on the podcast anymore. Just trying to, just trying to curate the questions a little bit here. Curate is a fancy, yeah. That's a word. Yeah, I, I, I'm okay with us. I think you know. I will say the best food question we ever got was about um, 
that weird sandwich in New York City that was basically something that had been really popular in like specific ethnic communities. The, the chopped cheese. Was, yeah, yeah, the chopped cheese. So that is, is a really interesting food topic because it like delves into other things. But if you're just like talking to me about how you make a perfect sandwich, I think I'm, I'm okay skipping that one. Not me. I would love to hear about that. But I, I think for the <laughs> sake of the podcast in general, we can't just keep answering the same yeah. three food questions over again. So we've got one that today and we'll go, we'll get to that late in the show. But let's start, uh, well, let's start first by saying that you can subscribe to the, to the For the One podcast on iTunes, rate us and review us there, check it out. We've gotten some good feedback from people on Twitter and email and such. I'd love to hear it on iTunes as well because it will help us be able to book better guests and do cooler stuff. Uh, no offense to the guests we've already had, many of whom have been very cool. Uh, very and cool. many of the stuff we've been able to do in our careers, which has also been totally dope. But I'm just saying, the more the merrier, right? So, so keep them mm-hmm. coming. Let us know. And give us feedback. If you don't like it, tell me why it sucks. I'm all open to hearing that, too, and trying to fix <laughs> it. Uh, let's get into the questions. And it starts with a real sports question. This is a good one. This is from at Kristen Sensenig. I would spell it out. She's got. I know she's got a locked account, and I, from uh, knowing her via the internet, I don't suspect she's all that eager to pick up a ton more followers by <laughs> uh, by being mentioned on on this podcast. But a longtime reader of mine, uh, and she wants to know: Is it at all possible the Tebow thing isn't a Mets MLB stunt? And if it is a Mets MLB stunt, should Major League Baseball really have room for that sort of thing? This there's a lot to this. There's a lot to this, and I'm going to let you have first crack at it since you're our MLB guy. Um, I am, and I, I've i sort of now had to become a de facto Tebow expert, I guess, which was exactly. never my plan. It was like, yeah. that's, a, that's a, like, I think Luke had a lot of fun laughing at me when, like, now, <laughs> like, because I, I, I think I'm probably saltier than most people on our staff about writing about certain topics that we sort of know will get a lot of traffic and get a lot of attention, which is what you want. And, and, you know, you want, you want people to read your stuff. You want eyeballs. Everybody wants that. Uh, you're not, t- you're not salty. You're just contrarian. You're like I'm the a ultimate contrarian. And contrarian. so, so uh, even in so in, in like the example would be like in something like Tim Tebow signs a minor league contract. Like my first instinct is just to be like, no, that's not news. That's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's like no, it's totally a big deal. <laughs> You're like no, 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 it doesn't mean anything. But, it's just like, but whatever. Like lots of guys. Sign it's just minor for pages, guys. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's a little bit of a headache, you know. Like it's for to have like this this transcendent cultural phenomenon guy now being like dropped into minor league baseball, which is something I write about all the time. Uh, But it's sort of an interesting thing, and it's interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, I don't think... So look, I I I don't think it's a stunt on Tebow's part. I'll say that first. Right. I don't. I think right. Tebow, from from by every account, it seems like his heart is in the right place here. Now, whether or not right. he deserves this opportunity, that's that's up for someone else to desi- decide, right? But that's not really up to him to decide either. He just said, mm-hmm. "I want to play baseball." Started working out to play right. baseball, and someone signed him. It's not his. He didn't sign himself. Uh, the Mets signed him, and. I would suspect, and this is not me reporting this, this is just me guessing this, but I know that Tebow and Yoenis Cespedes have the same agent. Cespedes mm-hmm. was the Mets' big free agent target this year, as he was last mm-hmm. year, but he opted out of his contract. Cespedes was the Mets' big free agent target. 
to me, if you're connecting dots and, and want to know why Tim Tebow lands with the Mets, it's the Mets are already in contact with his agent. The Mets are trying to have a good relationship with his agent. Tim Tebow's out there, wants to play baseball. The Mets say, huh, you know what, how bad could it be to bring in Tim <laughs> yeah. Tebow? And, and, and I don't mean in terms of performance, because I think the performance could be enormously bad. What we've seen so far in his spring training career is uh, definitely not impressive. And I, I don't think the likelihood is that he'll ever play in Major League Baseball. I just don't think there's a very right. good chance of that happening. It could. It wouldn't be the wackiest thing of all time, but it would be pretty far out. But I think... Go, go on. Sorry. No, no, no. no. I, don't, I don't know if you're finished. I could talk about this for forever. Um, uh, as to the question of whether it's a stunt, I don't know that I would call it that because I do think that probably the Mets can look at it and say, you know, beyond just the whatever, if if in it in any way fostered a better relationship with Cespedes, mm-hmm. beyond that, mm-hmm. I think the Mets could point to Tebow and having Tebow in the minor league system and see some benefits. Namely, that if he's playing in the Florida State League this, this year, that mm-hmm. is an environment that frequently draws less than a thousand fans to right. a ball game. And so mm-hmm. those are some of the Mets' top prospects, and they're getting accustomed to playing in front of no one, right? And if you put Tim right. Tebow on that team, it's a sold-out crowd every single night, every place they go. That's just how it works, right? So right. so I think that there's an advantage to the Mets there for that attention. I think that uh, all of these affiliate relations are sort of a, a complicated things with how because teams don't own all of their minor league franchises. So if they put him in... Columbia in South Carolina where they have a brand new affiliate and they that place in its brand new stadium can sell out every game then the Mets have a much better relationship with that affiliate then then they are the 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 Columbia Fireflies are now indebted to the Mets for sending them Tebow and this gift of of traffic and and people to fill up the stands so there's that to it and I also think you know uh, Tebow is a guy. I mean, you're you're putting Tebow in a in a room, a minor league clubhouse full of uh, largely American dudes. I mean, there's going to be uh, naturally some Dominican dudes, maybe some Japanese guys, maybe some Venezuelan guys, but it's going to be sixty to seventy percent uh, American dudes, many of whom are are from the South. Many, many, probably the majority of which are big football fans who have an enormous amount of respect for Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's a religious component to it, too. There's, uh, if you, you spend time in baseball clubhouses, you'll find it tends to be a very religious place. Tebow is, we know, a, a man of uh, very devout faith. And I think that that probably carries a lot of respect, and, and the way he has... Uh, carried himself, probably carries a lot of respect in in those minor league clubhouses. And now, you know, the Mets are putting in this guy who has been there in the NFL. Again, I know he didn't have a great NFL career, but he's a Heisman Trophy winner. He's a guy who made himself famous playing sports. And he is a guy who, by all accounts, is an extremely hard worker and is going to go after Mm -hmm. baseball the same way he did football. And so now you're going to put him next to some impressionable 19-year-old who's like, oh, hey, that's how I go about being a pro athlete. And so, you know, I do think there's some advantage to that as well. I think, so, so really it boils down to that there's very little downside for the Mets in taking this deal, right? They they get to be, they get to benefit from the Tebow name. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you said, Tim Tebow genuinely seems like 
you know, he is all in on this baseball thing, even if he realizes that he's never actually going to make uh, make the pro leagues, right? Uh, he might be in the minors for a couple of years, and maybe that's okay with him while he does other things. Uh, so when whenever somebody says stunt, I always think that it's a limited time thing. But this Tebow thing has stuck around for long enough that it doesn't. It's no longer a stunt. Like the Mets, uh, understandably, like weighed their pros and cons in a situation like Tebow, and the pros heavily, heavily outweigh the fact that he's probably never just, he's never going to get called up, you know? So it's not a, um, I don't know. To me, I think stunt is a weird, is is a is a difficult word for it because... Uh, I don't think it's entirely wrong. I don't think she, like, mm-hmm. like, I, like because I think that... Yeah, it, I mean, I guess I don't want to argue semantics, but... Right, right. Yeah, to stunt implies, like, it's like a very quick hit one-time thing, but I feel like the Mets are actually in this for the long haul because Tebow is in it for the long haul. Yeah, I would say that, and and this how the season plays out will go a long way to really showing mm-hmm. his his uh, dedication to it. But no mm-hmm. one is signing up to be on a minor league baseball team unless that's what you really want to be doing because that is hard. It's hard. Like I get that he is rich and famous and he doesn't need the money and he gets to play baseball, but he's gonna have to play a ton of baseball. And he's gonna have to ride a ton of buses. Uh, or you know, stretch limos if he wants, but whatever it is, it's going to be a lot of driving, a lot of travel, a yeah. lot of work, and a lot of you know, playing baseball in facilities that aren't like the ones he saw probably in the SEC football, you yeah. know, and 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 certainly not like he saw in the in the NFL. Um, it's not it's not an easy road, and so if he sticks it out for the summer, you know, then that, there's no doubt that he he really wanted it. And I'll add to that. That I, I reported on this last year when it happened. Really, the mm-hmm. only the only similar uh, example we have from recent history is Michael Jordan. Now, different right. guy, different player. Obviously, way more success in his sport than Tim Tebow. But I spoke to a bunch of Jordans. I tracked down a bunch of guys he played with in the minors, and to a man, it sounded like that's the coolest thing that's ever happened to any of them. Right, they're not guys <laughs> right. who were on the on the fast route to the majors. They were guys who were right. fighting for roles in the minor leagues. And now all of a sudden, Michael Jordan's on your team. It's awesome. That's Michael Jordan. It's a famous guy, right? Like these are yeah. these these guys are going to go home and brag to their friends about how they're on a first name basis with Tim Tebow. Even if they don't make the major leagues, they're going to have that, and they're going to say like. I still run into Tim Tebow sometimes, and he knows me and says, what's up? That's, like, a cool thing that happens. And you, you, I don't know. I would, I, I feel like part, it's like there's this, there's this, the backlash to it is, like, well, what if he's costing someone a job? If he's costing someone a job, if, and there's, obviously, if he's getting playing time, he is taking playing time around, away from someone else, but... The the one person being squeezed out, right? The one corner outfielder right. who's so far down the totem pole that right. he's getting squeezed out of play, playing time by Tim Debo. Like, I hate to say this. This sounds mean. It's probably better for that guy that he learned his lesson right now that he, you know, then, then and I, and I don't want to say no one should be able to pursue their dreams, but... If you're the guy getting well, cut for Tim Tebow, like you're, you're probably better off pursuing your college degree or whatever else you were going to be doing because yeah. eh, you're a long shot. Well, I mean, he was, you know, most of these guys are long shots to begin with. And uh, the Tim Tebow thing makes a compelling case for unless you can actually be better than what this guy is bringing to us. It's, it's unfortunate, but not everybody gets to 
gets to play on that field. I don't buy the argument. Well, he's taking away, he's literally taking away one job from one dude who, and like, you not, know, just not was not even, good enough. Right now, yeah, like, like it's just not, not good enough because they they have guys like if, even if that guy is not playing on so so whoever so if Tim Tebow starts at low class A. Then right. yes, I guess he's taking the job of one guy who might have been on that low class A roster. But it's not even mm-hmm. like he's taking one like they, they will if there's then there's a third outfielder in the corner outfield rotation. Those other still two guys are still going to get playing time, and if they're good enough yeah. to make it, the team will figure out that they're good enough to make it, and soon enough they will become prioritized over Tim Tebow. Uh, I would say extremely quickly if if they prove they're good enough to make it. I, I agree. Uh, um, all right. All right, let's go on. This is from uh, Cosmic Tom, who's at Tom36 on Twitter. And this one speaks to my heart on this day. And I, I don't know. I'll get your take on it. Uh, so this is – so 20 years ago today was the day the Notorious B.I.G. was was murdered. Mm. We're recording this on Thursday. And Tom wants to know what is the best Biggie track and why. Are you – I don't – I know that I've spoken about Biggie at length on this on this show are, are you, are you, did you get down on hip-hop of the late 90s and early aughts like I did? Well, definitely not as, uh, not as much as you do. Okay. But that's, like, that's a low bar. That's a, that's a high bar. Mm, that's a pretty high bar. Um, I don't know. I would probably say no, because I'm definitely, I was definitely more into the alternative rock scene so i was definitely more into like old rem and uh, like nirvana and all that that stuff uh, I like, so yeah. probably yeah i see i've always been like music eclectic in my musical tastes i would say because i was i was way into like i and i would say even like when biggie was out doing his thing that wasn't when i was the most into biggie like that didn't really hit until I mean, college i was well, like no. for me like for me, literally the best one is Big Papa. Like that's that's it. Well, There's nothing better. But that's as far. But that's only because but, my knowledge probably isn't as deep as yours. See, so. but I was gonna I was gonna name that as one of the ones I would consider. I would say among okay. the big singles, to me, that's the best. And I wanted to actually to ask you about this. Um, yeah. So you're a you're a single woman. Uh, if I am, if you were, and like you, you have to excuse me for like ignorance of this topic entirely because I've like <laughs> I've literally like never dated in adulthood um, because I've just been I was dating my wife and then we got married. Um, Are you serious? Yeah, I've never like after college I never I was never like I've never been in a situation where I've had to like go try to pick up a stranger in a bar. That's just not something I did. Um, God. I know it's weird. It's, it's like something I kind of feel like I missed out on, but then like in terms of when you talk to people, they're like, oh no, like that's miserable. Like you don't, you should be happy. And I, uh, and I am happy, but what I don't know and what I want to find out is, so say you were at a bar and Mm -hmm. some cheesy dude came up and started hitting on you and said he was going to buy you a drink. And then while he went to buy you a drink, someone else came up and was like, Hey, what are your interests? And you told him your interest, and then he was like, hey, who are you here with? And you told him who you're here with, and then he's like, what makes you smile? And then you said what makes him smile, and then he's like, what's your phone number? Would you give him your phone number? So I I think about this a lot. So I listen to this song when I run, right? And that is – it's definitely one of those things To me, it's like the smoothest thing ever. (laughs) But like, do you have to be Biggie Smalls to pull that off? 
It makes me smile and laugh all the time because I will say it's a hundred percent true. Like it, it might not be so much about, uh, it might not be so much about the actual, like, like the actual things that he's saying. Uh, but yeah, if you have a guy that comes up to you and who makes like an interesting observation or versus just like uh, tries to be a cheesy dude and hit on you, it's always, always much better. So I think Biggie's got it right. I feel like that's a, it's such a great line to just be like, excuse me, um, what are your interests? Like, like, I would be like, I, I don't know. I like, I feel like, so like if like, and look, it's not like I've never like had a flirty conversation with a woman in a right. bar, right? Like, that happens. And if someone came up to me and was like, hey, what are your interests? I would be like, I'm going to talk to this person now for the rest of the night because that's a really interesting <laughs> way to start a, con- a, a, a conversation with me. Yeah, but it literally, I mean, it really just goes back to just, like, you know, wants to get past just the surface level and is like, who, what your interests are, who you be with, uh, what makes you smile. Like, that is right, 100% the best way to approach a woman in a bar. Versus is, asking, is to do like, what what's, what's your sign, which was the alternative guy who went to go buy yeah. you wine. Um, yeah, wait, there's, I'm looking, I'm looking at the... I'm looking at the lyrics right now because there's another part of that song that I really like. But while I do that, the intro, the first what line are your to, other all the ladies, to all the ladies in the place with style and grace, like that is that smooth. He's smooth. He's cool, right? Like style <laughs> and grace. Something to do. It's something to do with uh, putting the gun away. But while I look that up, um, what other is that your favorite? Like um, no. So so I was gonna say so. Um, I would. I was gonna say that is my favorite of like his very well known mm-hmm. songs. Um, mm-hmm. to me, it's definitely from Ready to Die, which is his first album, and I think best. Um, and, and it's, it's, they're all, like, the whole album is so good that I feel like it's like a Sophie's Choice situation where you're, like, shunning one of your children if you don't mention every single track. Uh, but right. narrowing that down, I would say the song Warning, which is, like, it just sort of shows off, first, like, what an incredible lyricist he is and what a great storyteller he is. And then there's just, like, there's, and I've, I think I've written about this at some point, like, I find that in all forms of media, like, whether it's music or uh, painting or movies or whatever, like, the thing mm-hmm. that I really love is when you can see, like, when someone is, like, showing off how great they are and you can tell that it's really fun for them. And <laughs> I feel like it is, like, that's the second verse of that song, um, which starts out, so in that song he is playing two different characters. He's rapping as both Biggie himself, the storyteller, and also Pop from the Barbershop. And so when, like, Pop from the Barbershop tells him that, you know, they know that you bought your mom a house in South Florida, and then he comes in and he just, like, now, like, Biggie Smalls is telling you what's going to happen if you roll up on him, and it is ferocious, and the lyrics are incredible, and it just sounds like he's having so much fun. And, like, like, because it's just, like, this is how good I am, that, like, I'm just going to spit out this verse, and it's long, and he goes, like, and it's, like, all of these great lines that you've you've probably heard, but, uh, I I don't know, there's something about that verse that is just always, Mm -hmm. it it feels like it's, like, like, Picasso-level stuff, where you're just, (laughs) like, you are technically gifted, and you are putting out exactly what you want to put out right now. Um, Yeah. And then the other one... So... The other one for me, this is just to, 
to answer the question before you get back. Uh, the other one I would consider would be also from Ready to Die is uh, Everyday mm-hmm. Struggle. And mm-hmm. that mostly because he says, and I hate reciting... <laughs> I hate reciting rap lyrics in like a talking voice. I feel like I'm James Lipton. Uh, but he says, I'm seeing body after body and our mayor Giuliani ain't trying to see no black man turn to John Gotti. And I think that's like so clever and so good. And just like the whole song, I feel like that album, I feel like the album is a lot about uh, like knowing how dope you are, but also mm-hmm. recognizing that you're not where you want to be yet. And I think that that's my struggle. I I was going to say, gee, Ted, that sounds like somebody I know. And it's you. <laughs> well, right. I mean, you know, so, like, so I, 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 I yeah. you know, I don't have, look, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't have the ones who smoke blunt with, blunts with me seeing my picture and trying to grab their guns and come and get me, none of which rhymes now uh, because I had to change <laughs> the tenses. But... I I feel like Ready to Die speaks for me. I, I you know what I'll have to I think I might have to that might be next on my list of uh, albums to add to <clears throat> to my collection. So yeah, Ready time, to Die. All time great. Yeah, album. all time. Uh, yeah. I will say you're not I gonna love all the sketches, but okay. I feel like maybe if you are uh, a grown woman listening to any late '90s hip hop album. You're gonna. There's gonna be some objectionable, uh, objectionable material on there. You know, I'm okay with it. Like, I'm definitely not the kind of person. Like, I agree that a lot of stuff that I like is like really problematic in ways because of the way it objectifies women, or it's sexist, or you know, it might have homophobic language in it. Like, I totally understand that. All, but you of, the, take all it. of those things will be on yes. ready to die. At some yeah, point. you just gotta yeah. have to like, you just take it for for what it is. So I fully accept the fact that it could be problematic. Um, the one from from Big Papa, the line that I was thinking of, and like it's like, yeah, I don't like reading the lyrics, but if you got a gun up in your waist, please don't shoot up the place. And he's like, why? Because there's some hot ladies in this bar. Like, right, why, yeah. why do you want to try to start stuff? Like, it's just so smooth that it it gets me every single time. Right, he's not he's not afraid that you're gonna try to shoot him. He's just yeah. not trying to get into that right now because there's yeah, ladies he's like, here. He's like he's like there's hot ladies here. Like that's what I'm here for tonight. Yeah, I mean that is I mean Hamill, that's you examining like something that I believe would probably fall under bro code. Which is like yeah. let's not <laughs> like let's not like punch each other when they're like let's let's tone all of the dude stuff down while the ladies yeah. are here. While the ladies are here. Um, uh, all right. So, good yeah. question. Good question. Yeah. Um, good question. This one's from, next one's from Charles. Uh, and we and Adi and I talked about this on the podcast earlier this week a little mm. bit. Uh, so I'll be quick with it. And, and I, I'm interested to hear if, if you have any takes on it too. Charles is our coworker, Charles Curtis. He's at by Charles Curtis on Twitter. And he wants to know if I think the World Baseball Classic, if we think the World Baseball Classic is dumb or underrated. Um, do you have a take? Have you been following the World Baseball Classic at all? Uh, I have not no. been following. Can say no, no very Yeah, few yeah, no. Don't. I was gonna say I have not. Aside from the fact that my sister told me that Ike Davis is playing for Israel, like Ike that's Davis pretty much all I know about it. For Israel, yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, I believe Josh Satin as well. If you remember, if you want to dive into former Mets, um, mm-hmm. he's not not, as, not as memorable as Ike Davis. Uh, I will say, I. I uh, I mean, I think that I don't think it's dumb, 
But I think it's kind of like, you know, hockey has the international, every year the International Hockey Federation has their world championships. It's just like a thing to do. And I think the hockey... Hmm? Are the IIHF Worlds are those? Those are amateur players, or or are the no the NHL guys are going to do that? Yeah, the NHL guys. I, so usually, what happens is that the Worlds start like right around the time that the Stanley Cup playoffs are are ending. So a lot of teams where the players get eliminated from like NHL Stanley Cup contention, they'll just turn around and go straight play for the Worlds, like play for the, for their. Um, for the country that they're from. So, and, that so makes, it's, that, and that makes sense because, like, they're yeah. in game shape. <clears throat> they're 100%, like, in game shape. Like, they haven't had a chance to even switch off that competitiveness. Like, there was a big thing a couple of years ago when the Capitals, surprise, lost in the second round of the playoffs. And Ovi, you know, instead of sticking around to talk to the media for locker cleanout, just immediately went to Russia to go play for Team Russia for the world. And so everybody was like, oh, it's so disrespectful because he didn't stay to talk to the media. But he was just like, you know, I want to go help my country. But I also, it's a very convenient excuse for him to, to not have to stick around and answer questions. Um, but yeah, they're so peak performance shape. Right, and so that that I would say is an important distinction, right? Because like now yeah. you're seeing these games where they're competitive games, but also at the same time players are restricted because it's still spring training. Mm-hmm. So you can't let a major league pitcher throw seventy or eighty pitches at this point. So they're all they're all limited, and it makes it sort of weird because it's like they're competing as much as they can, and the guys clearly care. But at the same time, it's like oh, he's coming up on his pitch limit. You can't, you know, you gotta you gotta be careful how you negotiate this. Um, so yep. it's not, it's like a, it's a, that's part of why I think it's dumb. I think part of it, I think I would t- say to answer Charles's question, the World Baseball Classic to me is both dumb and underrated. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's executed perfectly. Again, I don't know the answer for that. I have said before, I would, and I said it with Adi, I would rather see it as a condensed event in the middle of the season than such a long one at the beginning. But I understand that that would mean uh, restricting it to one place, and it would probably have to be in the U.S. because if you're doing it over like an extended all-star break or something like that, you can't ask all of the best players to go get on a, on jets and go to Korea or whatever. And, and uh, yeah. part of what I like about it is seeing baseball games played in Korea and Japan and Puerto Rico and everywhere else because it's really interesting to see how fans get down in those places. Like watching mm-hmm. uh, Japanese fans all have, for every single player, they have these like very choreographed chants and they're so cool and they just go on throughout the players at bats. There'll be like five guys playing trumpets and the whole crowd uh, cheering along for, for each individual guy and that's super fun. I would love if people started doing that here. That would be, I think, make baseball games more exciting and fun. Um, and uh, I like that aspect of it. I, I think yeah. that the timing of it is weird. And I think that there are, like, I don't know, there are additional weirdnesses to it. And I guess what distinguishes it from the IIHF Worlds, uh, which I I know too well about from, I think I... I must have been doing like they do. They have eighteen and under and twenty one and under ones too. 
Is that correct? Uh, yeah, they do. Of course, um, yeah. So I think I was, those those are really popular in Canada. Like um, yeah. the World Juniors are the ones that people really pay attention to. Yeah, back in like when I, I worked for an Olympic sports site for a while, and mm-hmm. that was something we dealt with. And all I can remember is being asked to build a live updating scoreboard, like while the event was going on, and and ultimately just having to like update this code by hand every time a goal oh was scored, God. and that was super annoying. But unre- uh, that's unrelated to here. But I, I'd say because the World Baseball Classic seems like it's Major League Baseball's baby, they are always going to defer to, like, it's always going to be something they have to work around. So you could never make it in October because Major League Baseball would never stack up another event against its own postseason. So it's a little bit trickier. Like, that might be the best time to do it. Like, okay, if your team's not in the playoffs, now go represent your country. But I don't think that's ever going to happen. Well, I think that, I mean, to the core of this is I'm all for international competition, right? Like, I think that's awesome. Um, and the NHL kind of kind of had a this World Baseball Classic misstep is where they did the World Cup of Hockey. Like, that's the thing that they're trying to do. So last year was the, the first year that they did it. And, like, it was, again, both dumb and underrated because there were certain things that were really great about it. Like, the under-21 team was awesome. Uh, but aside from that, overall, the whole concept felt a little silly because there's the world championships and then there's the Olympics. So just to have an arbitrary World Cup of hockey uh, just contextually made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, and so, base- baseball yeah. is going to be back in the Olympics soon, I think, yeah. by 2020. And I think that probably kills the World Baseball yeah. Classic. And I think that that's a truer form of international competition because, as mm-hmm. your sister noted... Ike Davis, dude from Arizona, is playing for Team Israel, and I understand that like, he has his rights. Uh, in in the cases of the Jewish guys, I think there is a, a it's a little bit different. Um, but if you look at the Italian roster, right, like every guy on the Italian team is just whatever minor leaguers they could find with vowels at the end of their name, like guys who are <laughs> like blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Texas dudes, and they're playing yeah. for Team Italy because they have a vaguely right. Italian-sounding last name. And so, I, and like That's I said, this is what I talked about with Adi. I would so much rather see the bad baseball players who are actually from those countries than the yep. significant than than have more competitive baseball because then it, because first of all I, I baseball is a sport that's like dominated by randomness and i think you know every once in a while maybe an italian team lucks into beating a, a team from a, a place that really regularly produces baseball players but for the most part, I would like to see the lopsided contests. I think that would be kind of fun. What does it look like when the best hitter in Italy has to step in against Marcus Stroman or you know one of the best players from the U.S.? It probably doesn't look good for the guy from Italy, but I want to watch it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. We got a couple more, but before we go on, Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports the For the Win podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust who has your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com FTW. That's quickenloans.com FTW. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLS, consumer Access.org number 3030. Okay, 
Uh, next at- question comes mm-hmm. from our man at Citar, and this is like more of a thought experiment. Uh, because and this was because he had asked us like six questions about food when we <laughs> said don't ask about food. Um, to answer one of them, I, I don't, I don't, I prefer a burrito. I can pick up, um, but he wants to know what would, how would the he says he says rank the top five American sports if the WNBA and NFL were marketed like the other. And, and I asked him to clarify, and he said, so you know when you buy a bottle of Coke in whenever. Whenever the WNBA finals are, which I'm going to admit, I, I don't even know when that happens. And then it was <laughs> covered, blasted with WNBA branding and WNBA players, just the way uh, every product seems to have NFL stuff on it <laughs> at Super Bowl time. And the NFL tickets were something that came on like the backside of a subway receipt. Uh, this is a difficult chicken and the egg question, right? Right. It's an impossible one. Because you, like, I don't know. Well, well, I don't know, but I will say the core of it. I'm not here to beat up on women's basketball, right? Because, like, No, no, no. Go ahead. I I mean, I, 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 that was me, I, I, that was me saying it before I beat up on women's basketball. And and it's not, I, I, like, if if you want to watch women's basketball, like by all by all means, more power to you. I think there's probably some aesthetic aspects to it that some people would prefer to the NBA. I happen to love dunking, and they don't dunk a lot, and so there are not a lot of people in the league who can dunk. And so, like, I I know that that's I don't know if that makes me chauvinistic, but no, it's not. It's not about that. It's just I just like dunking. Yeah. And guys in the NBA throw down awesome dunks. And if I want, if I'm going to watch a basketball game, I want to see one with the possibility of some awesome dunks. I mean, I think WNBA definitely has some awesome dunks, but I think that to get to the meat of this question without being sexist or dismissive of women's sports is that part of it is that the NFL has benefited from like a long history. Uh, but the reason that people keep like pouring money into the NFL is because it is just so ridiculously popular, right? So it's like a self, I don't think, self-fulfilling prophecy, right? It's exactly. Like a so I, I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that the NFL um, is popular because it's marketed so well. I think the correlation is just simply that the WNBA could benefit from much more marketing. Because I think that when you go watch the games, like, I don't know, I've gone, I went to the WNBA draft, it is awesome. Like to me, that kind of made me a fan. But to be able to get to that level where it can actually start to start to like nuts like permeate everything else that we need to get through, like NFL, NHL, um, what MLB, like all of that other stuff, like that's where the WNBA has a huge difficulty. Uh, because I think that, you know, women's soccer, like around the Olympics and stuff like that is actually, and World Cup time is very popular. Um, See, but I is say, women's and, soccer and not popular know. because it's not advertised enough? I don't know. I find in soccer, I think I enjoy watching women's soccer more than men's soccer. And I don't know why that is, but like, I don't know enough about well, soccer the tennis to say too. Well. Um, tennis, I feel like either, I feel like tennis doesn't really matter to me. Like I, I'll watch tennis if it's on, I think it's a cool sport. I like that tennis has no, like baseball, like it's never really over. You, you always have the chance to come back. And so that makes tennis exciting to me. Plus like the, just the athleticism that tennis players have and like quickness and stuff is fun to watch. Um, 
so tennis, like I would say, is a sport where I don't really care who's playing. And in, but in, in soccer, for whatever reason, um, and again, like I don't know, I can't speak enough to the particulars of the sport to say like this and this and this is why I feel like I enjoy watching the women's sport better. But I, in terms of how many of finding myself actually watching it on TV, that like never happens with men's soccer. And like every once in a while, mm-hmm. if the women's soccer team is doing cool stuff, uh, and yeah. it's not because of like patriotism either, because like certainly that's not by my bag. It's just more likely to happen. I'm thinking now that I'm thinking about it, I'm pretty sure this. Well, dates... the women's soccer team is just better than the yeah, men's soccer and that's team. and I'm, right? I was going to say like they like, win. I think this dates back to high school because my high school yeah. had a women's soccer team that was like a powerhouse and won the state championships every year. So our women's soccer games were like pretty big events at my high school. Yeah. Whereas the men's soccer team was like rival to the football team, and we would have never given them the satisfaction of watching their games. Yeah, I, I do think that that's a pretty that's a brutal question because I don't think it's that simple. Um, I mean, I don't think he expected it to be that simple, no, but it's just not about the marketing. I think there's for very many complicated reasons there is a weird inherent bias still against women's sports whether it's like i mean no offense to ted but ted's like you know i want to see people dunk well the wnba does have dunks they might not they might be a different kind of dunks but but there are dunks but not nearly as many not nearly as many no but there's still like i still think that and you can offend me by the way feel free to offend me i don't care well, I mean, I know you don't care, but what I'm just trying to say is, like, I'm not, I don't want to be like, oh, Ted, that sexist jerk. You can call women me a sexist dunk. jerk. I'm probably that. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying that, yeah, there's there's a weird inherent bias against women's sports um, because we're still an incredibly patriarchal society. And you could throw as much money into marketing the WNBA as you do the NFL, and it still wouldn't be as popular because you can't change people's minds overnight that, you know, this is something that I want to watch because there's all these people have, whether they admit it or not, um, you know, there's a bias against women's sports that just exists and it's going to take some time for people to get over. I would say a big step towards that, and I'm not in charge of the WNBA, but if I, if, <laughs> this is like, if I were running the NBA, WNBA, if I, I, do, I would say do. that probably the key to turning that over is it's not a short-term fix. And what you need to do is seed girls basketball programs or just unisex basketball programs mm-hmm. uh, in in every town so that it becomes uh, – because I think that probably a lot of it is just that more often not, – not that no girls, no little girls play sports. I know it changes – it's changed a lot in the last couple of decades. But, like, if you look at when we were growing up, I'd say, like, in my town – it was, if, if you were a fourth grade girl, it was perfectly acceptable for fourth grade girls to play sports. But if you didn't want to play sports as a girl, that was acceptable. And as a boy, if you were in fourth grade and you weren't on a Little League team and a BBL team and, and whatever else, that was like a little weird. Like sports was just the standard thing that boys did. You, yeah, you come from a very weird place though. I, I just don't think it's the same. But, but wait, did you, I mean... When did you play organized sports when you were very young? No, I didn't at all. Like, I, I don't even think I knew they existed, honestly. Um, I don't think I come from, I think I come from, like, a pretty standard place, right? Like, I'm from a suburb on Long Island. Yeah, but, but I don't know if, 
your experience is like every kid in America, though. I just remember, well, I can't, but we lived in a very different place than you did. We lived in basically in an in inner city. So that yes, was just yeah. not a, yeah. So it was just not like a big, like soccer, you know, soccer moms and practices on the weekends and that kind of stuff just, just like was not a thing that happened. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. So, so I don't know if it's like, Yes, it's definitely fine for. I wonder if it's changing now, though, right? That, well, that's my whole changing. point. I mean, it's definitely changing. I, I, I definitely think that if you are a fourth grade boy now and you don't want to play sports, I'm pretty. I'm hoping, dear God, that it's not a huge deal. Oh no, and I'm not saying that. That's yeah. I'm, that's not where I'm coming from here. I'm not saying yeah. that it's about. It's not about the boys. It's about. I think that right. we have changing attitudes to little girls playing sports, right? Like I think that even as recently as our childhood, it just mm-hmm. it, like. And, like, there were, in Little League, I mean, there would be one girl in the league, you know? And, like, I, re- right. I remember it was my friend Desiree, who wound up being a very good right. friend of mine through high school. Like, she was the only girl in the Little League. Right, and, and, right, right, right. And now I think you see more. Like, I, I, yeah. I think certainly, like, my nephew is playing with more girls on, on the baseball team. Um, but I, I think that's new, right? Like, I think that's still changing. I and mean, we even still see it, right? There was this case in New Jersey mm-hmm. of the girl who wanted to play on the boys' basketball team and, and wasn't allowed. Um, I, so, I was just going to bring that up, and then the whole team decided to sit out the season, and I almost cried reading that story because it was so sweet. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really nice. And also, really nice. there's no reason she shouldn't if she's better than them, right? Like, if she's good enough to <laughs> yeah. the team, like, I, like, why wouldn't? Like, of course you'd want her on team. She's going to make the of team better. Of course the only guy yeah, who, the, only on the, win. Team, the only guy on the team who doesn't want her on the team is the guy who's like, I don't want to be below the girl on the depth chart, right? Because <laughs> that's going to be some kid, and like when you're in ninth grade, that's going to be a rough one. But yeah. if she's good, she's good, right? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, no, I, I wasn't. No I wasn't by any means saying that all boys should play sports. I'm just saying. No, no, no. I know. But I do think all kids should be exposed to sports. Like I and like it's not it's not boy or girl or whatever. Like. I do think that if you had to survey, like, doctors in the United States, they would all tell you, like, kids should be doing outside, going outside, playing stuff, running around, yeah. doing activities. Whatever it is that is your activity, you should find. If you don't want to play football, great. I mean, yeah, you probably shouldn't play football. Um, if you don't probably play, end up with a concussion. Yeah, like, I would say, by all means, don't play football. If you don't want to play baseball, a safer sport, great. If your thing is baton twirling, great. But... I do think that there's nothing wrong with saying kids should be active. We have, like, a huge problem with obesity in this country, right? <laughs> okay, okay. We're getting, like, way off topic. Right. I, I don't think it's about... I'm just trying to defend... I, I'm defending myself. Because I, I don't know want to say... If I'm sexist, it's not in saying that. I, there's no part I'm of not, me... That, it's like, boys need to be you're manly. You're not sexist. I mean, I You're was, not sexist. No. I'm just saying, look, the only thing I'm saying is that if we're going back to the meat of this question... I think the question isn't about money and marketing. I'm saying the question is about prevailing attitudes towards women in sports. Not none of which you like wholly embody, Ted. Do you know what I mean? I'm just saying that there's there's a lot happening here. I don't wholly and marketing embody is, Yeah. I know. I'm just saying that marketing is not going. Unfortunately, marketing is just not going to be able to solve it. It's not the, because, I, and I agree with that. And yeah. I agree with that. But I would also say, as a corollary, that everyone should play sports. Because they're fun, and you should be active. If you're, like, a six-year-old kid listening to this, you shouldn't be listening to this. For, for the you love of God, you're six years old, run outside. What's that? You think everyone should play sports? 
Um, not no, no. I mean, no. If you don't want to play sports, don't play sports. I don't care. Do something active, right? Do if you yeah, have the, if, I'm, yeah. I'm if fine with the people, means, the kids running around. Yeah. If you have the ability to move around, move around. That's all I'm saying, right? Like I, you never know when that's going to be taken away from you. Is the truth, and, and you should just—it's just healthier for everyone to be active, and it's not. That's not a. That's not too hot of a take, Hamill. No, it's not hot of a take. It's right? just that before you were like, I think all kids should play sports. And I'm like, I don't know if all I kids should play sports. I think all. I mean, I do. I don't think it should be like mandatory, right? Like, I, but like, I do. I do think that, and like, I do okay. think that kids should be out of their. I do think, and and again, for for. So I have a hypothetical. I have a hypothetical question for you, and I know we're going way off topic, but I don't care. No, this so is so hypothetical. Your kid. Your hypothetical future child, should you choose to have one, would you, you know, and that kid shows no interest in anything but video games. Like, would you make that kid play a sport? I wouldn't make him or her stick with it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think... I wouldn't say you need to play a sport. Like, I'm certainly not going to be. I, I was on a Little League team with a kid who would be crying on the pitcher's mound, begging his dad right. to be taken out, and the dad would be yelling at him and saying, like, no, we worked on this. I'm yeah. not about to do that, right? Like, that's just not how I am. But right. I would say, so, like, I would say as a good example, is like, my nephew is 10 years old. He loves sports. All he loves is sports. He just loves sports. He plays all the sports. He has, like, he'll have a Saturday where he has baseball practice from 9 to 12 and then football practice and then lacrosse practice. Like, he, there's no sport you could put in front of him that he wouldn't want to play. And mm-hmm. my sister somehow convinced him to willingly go to, like, a one-week day camp for theater just to... <laughs> Just to expand his horizons, and he went and he right. liked it, and he enjoyed himself. Right. And I think that that's cool. Like I think that that right. is on my sister, and like obviously I'm biased towards her because she's my sister, and because I know he's a great kid, so I feel like she's doing mm-hmm. a good job. But I think also that that's a good idea. So I think if I had a kid who only wanted to play video games, I would, and I wouldn't, I would never be the dad who's like, "No, son, you're playing football, not video games." Like I'm, I'm always gonna be. I think I'm just kind of an empathetic person, and plus, I think video games are cool, so I probably want to go play with them. But also, I you would, can make a lot of money now on video games, so and, don't sell that short. And that's dope. And I would say, and and I would probably say, like, hey, like, what, you ever have any interest in making video games, stuff like that? Like, I think I would be an encouraging person in general. But I would also, if the kid only wanted to play video games, I'd say, like, I'd try to figure out some activity that the kid was interested in that could get him up and moving around him or her him or her him Um, or her right right. just because i think that's important too and i i I don't know i think look and like again like the hardcore video game thing is a fairly new phenomenon and i get that it is a social activity now and so like i would and i played enough video games growing up for me i could never say like kids shouldn't be playing video games they should only play outside but if you're only playing video games and you're never playing outside, that's an issue too. All right, I think we agree. Balance is important. Balance is and important. You that's would all never, I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You would never torture torture your your hypothetical offspring into you know right. playing sports when like, they don't want to. My sister's not going to force her son to try out for the high school play, even though she right. loved the high school play and was the star every year. She's not going to force him to do that, but she did make him sort of expose himself to that 
world, which is her business and her world, and I think it's cool. And I think it was cool that he handled it with such a plum, too, because he could have gone kicking and screaming, but he is a nice kid, partly because she's done a really good job raising him. So he's like, okay, yeah, I'll check out theater camp. Like, why not? Why not? Um, All right, sounds like a cute kid. Yeah, he's, All right. he's great. Um, so, uh, okay, this is this is right back to right back to sports. Um, and this is, I'll go quick on this one because it's sort of uh, obscure, but interesting. This is from Jan- Dan Jacqueline, who's djack311 on Twitter. He linked me an article from the San Diego Union Tribune about the Padres starting rotation. And it was something, is a, a few weeks old, I had missed it entirely. And the idea presented in it is that the Padres could shake up the traditional baseball model and instead of using a starting pitcher and hoping to get the most innings possible out of the starting pitcher, switch to starting the game with an opener, sort of a bookend to a closer, have the opener go one to two innings, then bring in the pitcher who's going to pitch the bulk of the innings, and then move Mm -hmm. into the bullpen. And I think Mm -hmm. it's actually a really interesting idea. I think it's coming. I don't know if the Padres are going to do that this year, but I think there we are soon going to see, I'd say in the next 10 years, a team will uh, massively change the way we currently look at pitching staffs and start going with things like guys who only pitch three innings to start a game and that's it. Uh, I think that too much of the sport still caters to the old school stats and I think that pitchers especially want to get their wins and you have to pitch five innings to get the win as a starter. I think that once they can shake that and once teams can say like, Hey, we're not. We don't want you to rack up wins. We want you to pitch three good innings every third day or every fourth game, day. Uh, and and I think as teams learn more and more about what they need to do to keep guys healthy, what they need to do to keep guys effective, uh, how much more effective pitchers are in their first couple of times through a batting order than their third time, I think you will see some of those sort of old traditions change. They're already they've already been changing in subtle ways for years. You know, we see tons of specialists out of the bullpen now. We'd never see guys pitching like Raleigh Fingers or Goose Gossage did out of the bullpen anymore. We might see that again too. But I think that the change is coming. So that I would say my thoughts on that Padre starting rotation idea is that it's a really cool one and someone's gonna figure it out.